Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this wonderful Sunday morning. And Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And yet, Lord, we have so many needs. And so we come before you this morning. And we want to thank you for the good weather and each one that is here. And Lord, safety and travel this week. And yet, Lord, we need you to work in our hearts. We're, we're glad that the walk with Jesus is a daily walk. And we ask that you would give us what we need for this coming week, that we may daily walk with thee. We ask that our lives would show forth that we have taken time to assemble in your presence this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We praise the Lord for that. We'll have the children dismissed at this time to the children's church. The rest of us, let's turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. We'll be looking at primarily one verse this morning. Proverbs 23. 23. It'll be a Easy reference to remember. And uh, several people said, how are you doing today? I said, a little road weary. Uh, we traveled just a little over 3,000 miles uh, since uh, last Monday morning uh, out to Oklahoma. And one of the questions I often get asked is, why do you come out here for this? And uh, actually, the verse that I want us to explore the morning, this morning is the answer to that question. And uh, let's just read verse 23. We'll read it carefully twice. Follow along. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. One more time. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. If you like a title for the message, it is Buying Truth or Truth for Sale. Uh, uh, we, we live in a world in, in a, uh, uh, just listen to the media and all of that. And uh, uh, someone coined the phrase alternate truth. Could I challenge you? There's another easier way to say alternate truth. It's called a lie. Uh, and we believe that, and not we at this church, but people believe that you can buy truth, you can sell truth, you can, uh, you can modify the truth. I, I think it was, uh, uh, we, uh, the proper term for that kind of information is called propaganda. That is truth designed to make you believe a preconceived conclusion. And uh, it used to be in our schools that we said, I'm going to school to get an education. But most of what is taught in school today is propaganda. Uh, we, we live in a world where everything is already preconceived. If you want to understand the news, all you have to do, understand what's going on in society... You just have to understand that Trump is to blame. If you've got that, then you understand everything that's on the news and in the media just about today. And, of course, he can't possibly be to blame for everything. We've got some other people that are at fault for things, do we not? But uh, uh, if you'll listen, you'll, you'll, you'll believe that everything 
that is good is wrong and everything that is wrong is good. That's the world in which we live today. Truth is for sale, for sure. But here, in this verse, written roughly 900 years before Jesus was born, Solomon is instructing his son. And as we know, most of the Proverbs are unrelated uh, verses that are just wise sayings that are put together. This one actually is not. It's a part of eight different lines found in four different verses. And, of course, we believe in, in keeping things in context. And, and so let's just start in verse 22. Follow along with me. This is the little octet, you might want to put it there, or a group of verses that are uh, together. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Now, if we understand the book of Proverbs correctly, and we believe that we do, the, the book is a collection of the wisdom of Solomon, and it is addressed primarily to his son, Rehoboam, who was not a great beneficiary of the wisdom of his father. Uh, if you study his life, when he had a chance to embrace the wisdom of his father, he turned his back and endorsed the wisdom of the younger men that grew up with him. And he divided the kingdom and had a very weak reign and did not obey the Lord. The Bible tells us the reason that Rehoboam did not serve the Lord as he should was because he prepared not his heart. One of the reasons that we make such a big deal about YouthCon and invest time and effort uh, don't believe it for a minute that I just enjoy driving to Oklahoma and back. I mean, uh, I enjoy driving, but uh, that kind of driving makes you weary. It just tires you out, continually driving, driving, driving. But there was a purpose. We took a group of young people to a conference. And there at the conference was over 1,600 other teenagers. Now, I want to challenge you. We can get 1,600 teenagers together in New York City, but it isn't for righteous things. Now, not every teen was just sold out for Jesus and all of these things, but they were there primarily. The, the main purpose of the youth conference, those that have gone with us as counselors and as teens uh, before, it's the preaching of God's Word. Now, can I ask you a question? What is God's Word? Can we say truth? Amen? Is this book truth? And see, if we're going to drive out there, guess what? It costs something. Gasoline's gone up. 
we, we get a hotel room because we're not going to endanger lives on the way out and then on the way back. It takes a lot of effort. Why do we do that? Because we're trying to buy something, my friend. You know, I don't think, uh, I, I, was, I did not attend all of the preaching services there, but uh, uh, Hannah was here. I, I don't think that anyone preached anything that you haven't heard here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I, I'm pretty safe in making that assumption. You know why? Because if you're going to preach the Word of God, you have limited material to preach from. You can only come out of this book. You're not going to come up with anything new. A preacher said many years ago, if it's new, it's not Bible. And if it's Bible, it's not new. Yes. I mean, imagine he had to think a lot about that. No. Uh, that that's not a really, really super deep thought. And, and yet, what we're trying to do is, by taking our young people there, is we're trying to buy the truth. And we're trying to help them understand. We, we want our teens to buy the truth. We have uh, uh, many uh, phrases, cliches, and uh, oftentimes, uh, you'll hear the phrase, bought into. Uh, a lot of people bought into Bernie Sanders' philosophy. Bernie Sanders, we, I would call it a theology. Because socialism has failed every time it has ever been attempted in history. Open up your history books. The pilgrims tried socialism. Half of them died the first winter. The reason they had the Thanksgiving feast the next year was because they had given up on socialism. Because socialism cannot work ever. Here's why. Socialism depends on every human being giving forth their absolute best for the benefit of others. You know what? That's not human nature. I mean, Andrew talked in Sunday school and taught on the Good Samaritan. Uh, Could I challenge you? The Good Samaritan was the exception to the rule. Not the rule. Hello? And, And that the simple fact here is that there's an awful lot of people, and, and I've talked to them and said, oh, I believe in free education. Okay, so the teacher's not going to get a salary anymore? Oh, no, we gotta, we got to pay our teachers. Well, where, it just comes from the government. Where does the government get their money, my friend? How many of you love April 15th? It is the highlight of your year. I don't see hands going up. I don't like April 15th because i got to pay taxes. Somebody said, well, you should get something back. No, no, you, you, you pay taxes. Even if you get something back, you ought to check your paycheck. If you have withholding, you're not getting back what you paid in. Trust me. 
doesn't work that way. But there's a lot of people that buy into things. I think of those people that bought into socialism and communism at the turn of the last century in, in what would become known as the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union. You know, here in the United States, we're arguing about building a wall. What is the purpose of building the wall? To keep people out. What was the Iron Curtain for? To keep people in. See the difference? Does anybody see the difference? Hello, can you at least go like this? I mean, it's where we are, and people bought into this. They sacrificed their families, their lives, uh, <clears throat> just for the sake of communism, only to find out it doesn't work. It died. But it's still alive because people will buy into just about anything. How many of you have ever tried this? You hear it on the radio or someone gives you a little flyer or talks to you. Extra income. You can get another salary without working. Has anybody ever tried one of those things? Lies. Lies. Don't buy into it. I remember one time as a Bible college student, several of my friends said, you got to come with me to this meeting. And... I figured out later they were getting kickbacks for other people that attended the meeting. And so I was one of the, the victims there, and I came in, and I sat down, and uh, the guys started talking and explaining things and said, Now, one thing you got to understand with our company, you can't wear brown. Brown is not a good color for sales. And I'm sitting there in a corduroy jacket and a pair of khaki pants and, and, uh, and uh, sitting there going, Wow, okay, so... Uh, and then I found out that you could get your first paycheck walking out of the room with your first paycheck. All you had to do was sign a bill. Now, in those days, this will sound a little crazy to most of you, but I was making $3.25 an hour. That was actually fairly good money. Come on, some of you are old enough to remember that. And they said, I could walk out of there with a paycheck, my first paycheck of $600. I was in there, good night. That, that's almost three months' salary. Working 40 hours a week, hard labor, and, and all i got to do is sign my name and they'll give me my first paycheck. It was a loan. It wasn't a paycheck. And they were charging interest. And back then, minimum wage was $3, but the interest rate was 21%. And so imagine where that was going to go if I bought into that sales pitch and signed my name, and we were assured that we could borrow uh, uh, several months of salary so that we could have time and freedom to get going selling pots and pans door to door. Now, I'll tell you what, if you want to go broke, that is one of the best ways to do it. If you want to buy pots and pans, where you go? 
to the store, right? Not some joker standing at the front door. And, and I'll tell you, praise God, he gave me enough wisdom, he gave me enough understanding not to buy into that thing. Because you know what? It wasn't true. Not a word of it. The people that were making money for that company, it wouldn't have mattered if they were selling wooden nickels. You ever met a salesman that could sell you anything? They always find me. I say, well, you have to talk to my wife. She's the one that, uh, uh, she, she can say no to the salesman there. And, and uh, uh, well, anyway, let's get on here. The context of this passage is Solomon explaining to Rehoboam how that he could grow up and have the praise and admiration of his parents and how he could bring joy to his parents. That, that is the context here. Read, read through here. He says, uh, by the truth... Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, despise not thy mother. Listen to me, son. Here's what you're supposed to do. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth the wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. That's not a very complex thought now, is it? He said, if you want to make your parents glad that you were their child, here's what you got to do. He said, I want you to listen to me. I want you to buy the truth and sell it not. Now, I've given you a positive example, taking the kids to YouthCon, a negative example of being in the, uh, listening to the sales pitch there. But we just want to take a few moments here and explore this thing. Because honestly, my friends, truth cannot be bought with monetary money. So how are we going to buy it? Well, let's look at the definition of buying. You see, <clears throat> to buy something means you have to have a personal expenditure. Okay? If you're buying it with money, then you are laying out money. If you're buying into it or buying it with your mind... You have to think about that. You have to adopt that. Because, see, when you've bought something, what does that in, entail there? It entails personal ownership and personal control. Okay, are we still together? When, when I buy something, I am giving something... That's the whole idea of buying, is I have something I am giving in exchange, and whether it's time or effort. When I was a, a student in high school, my principal came to me with some very valuable equipment I wanted to purchase for one of my little hobbies. I still have it all these years later and use it uh, to this day. 
And, and he said, listen, I, I'm not going to uh, have you give me money because I don't want money. He said, what I want is I want my lawn mowed all summer. He lived on a one-acre plot. For those that understand what that is, that's 200 feet by 200 feet. That's a big yard. And it wasn't a riding mower. It was a push mower. And I said, yes, sir. And it was a great investment. I bought that. I still have those things. I still use them. And and I'm glad that he offered to sell me those things. And this is one of the reasons why we invest. Roughly 50 hours on the road is no mean investment. And by mean, I mean small or uh, cheap. It, it, it cost us something. I drove and Andrew was supposed to maintain, a, Andrew and Hannah were supposed to keep all of the teens actively engaged the whole trip. That didn't happen. But anyway, um, a lot of hours on the road. Why? So that our teens could be exposed to the things that they were taught and the preaching they heard and the fellowship of other churches. Understanding one of the greatest things I love about the teen camp there is you find out very quickly in New York City, Baptist churches are small. Uh, Our teen department is not really even a department yet. Uh, It's just a little group of teens, and we meet Sunday night during the prayer time. But you show up there at a meeting like that, and there are more than one church that has a teen department bigger than our entire congregation. They were bringing them in on buses, 40, 50 passenger buses, just full. Some churches had to bring two uh, just to get all of their teens there. And, And that's a wonderful thing because you begin to understand. You feel like you're the only one around here. And you find out you're not the only one. And I also love the fact that it's on the campus of Heartland Baptist Bible College. The services were in the chapel building. And just to be able to talk to the different people and And I had the opportunity of enjoying a lunch. Brother Sam was returning from a preaching trip. Brother Copes was supposed to pick him up. He said, you want to go with me? And I said, sure. And so we went to a little barbecue place and got a barbecue sandwich and were able to sit down and just enjoy some fellowship there. All the time, all the rest of this is going on. I I want my children to be influenced by the people that were there at that meeting. And I want the best for the children in our church. And I can't think of a better place to go. Why? Because we're, we're trying to do what this is. We're trying to buy the truth. It takes expenditures. But just because you were there and heard all the sermons, does that mean you bought the truth? No, the proof is in the pudding. Now that you're back home, 
Are you going to live those things that they preached about at the meeting? That's how you buy the truth. How many remember the first time you came to this church? It was like, what's that crazy man talking about? But you begin to realize that what is preached here is just Bible. Oh, yeah, every once in a while, I'll mix in a little political commentary. Sorry, it just happens. But taking possession, owning something, that's what buying is. Now, what we're supposed to do is own the truth. And I've said this many times, and I don't want it to be a contradiction in any way. Uh, I said, you can't own the truth. By that, what I mean is, you cannot control what is truth and what is not truth. Are, are we together there? You do not have control of the commodity. You do not get the opportunity to modify truth. My mother had a real good cure for that. It was rather painful. Uh, because if there was one thing you didn't do growing up in our household, and that was... Fabricate truth. Uh, tell a lie. Uh, you, you did not do those things. It, it, once it was found out, and it always was, my mother was a better detective than any of the people on these TV shows or Sherlock Holmes. If I did something wrong, she found out about it. And if I had lied to cover it up, <clears throat> there, there, there was a price to pay. And I'm so glad that my mother was that way. You see, you can buy into anything, my friend. But if you're going to buy the truth, you have to check it out and make sure that it's true. That's one of the reasons I give you the references and I... Let you read the Bibles because I want you to take it home and I want you to examine what the Bible says and know that this is truth. God's Word is true. You can examine every event in history and you will not find one that contradicts what's in this Bible. You'll find that every people group and every religion and every individual who has decided that they did not need what the Bible says. They have ended up in a place that wasn't where you're supposed to be. I mean, many of us are old enough to remember President Clinton and what he did and the lies that he told and all of those things. And one of the comments that was about was, you know, his popularity never went down, even when he was totally proven to be a liar and, and immoral and just a very base man. His popularity was still way up here. But let me ask you a question. How many of you admire and respect Bill Clinton and where he is today and how he is treated by the world at large? If anybody wants the truth about anything, do they go to Bill Clinton? 
Does anybody quote him? Say, I want to tell you the economy was great under Bill Clinton and we're going to go back and we're going to study him. Nobody does that. you know why? Because... They know who the man is. They know what the man did. They know that he has no character whatsoever. And that every good thing that happened wasn't because of him. It was because of somebody else. Society, our nation, did not benefit in any way because of him or his policy. Study the history books. In fact, our nation has become much more base what used to be only whispered about in dark corners of places of depravity is now trumpeted and talked about by little kids as they walk up and down the sidewalk. I want to challenge you. You can get away with the lie for a little while, but it's going to catch up to you, my friend. If you're going to buy the truth, you don't have a choice of what is true and what isn't, it's already been decided by God. And the Bible says that we need to buy that truth. He was encouraged to buy it and sell it not. Now, let's talk a moment about selling. What is selling? Can I read you the primary definition Definition number one, to give in various senses. You know what? That shocked me when I read that. To sell is to give? No. To sell is to get, isn't it? I mean, I I sell it because I, I want to get what I'm going to get in exchange for this thing. No, here's the primary definition, to give. In various senses, to hand over voluntarily or in response to a demand or request to deliver up a person, especially a hostage, to the keeping of another to grant forgiveness. Boy, that gives you a different idea of the word sell. Now, let me read definition number two. To give up a person treacherously to his enemies, to betray a person, a cause, or a country. Uh, We would, in American English, we would use the term sell out. Um, But your Bible is English English. Now, definition number three is the modern definition of this word. The chief current sense, in parentheses, to give up or hand over something to another person for money or something that is reckoned as money, especially to dispose of merchandise possessions to a buyer for a price. And it goes on as an habitual sense of a shopkeeper to deal in, to keep for sale uh, a particular commodity. The idea of sell, when it is in your Bible, this is over 400 years old, had the connotation of betrayal. How many of you have been sold something that wasn't worth what you paid for? All of us have on one occasion or another. 
It is to relinquish control over. It is to surrender it to someone else in exchange. How do I sell the truth, my friend? Oh my, that's so easy. All I have to do is lay it aside and embrace something else. I'll tell you, this is why my blood boils every time I hear this phrase. Oh, that's your truth. No, you you sold truth. You've sold it. You know, we, we have a world, we have churches that people go to today. And they say, our church has no doctrine. Okay, what, what do you mean by that? Well, we're not judgmental at our church. We're not going to make you feel guilty. Excuse me, if you're a thief and you come into a church of Jesus Christ, shouldn't you feel at least a little conviction over what you've done and how you're living? Hello? If you're a murderer, if you're living in sin, should you not feel the least little bit of something? You read Titus chapter 2, and that is the grace of God which has appeared unto all men, teaching us that sin is sin, and sin is against God, and sin destroys. You see, you can sell the truth, but what are you going to get in exchange? If you've relinquished the truth, what does that demand that you embrace? A lie? Okay, I'll be nice. If you sell the truth, you must embrace an untruth, okay? Somebody will market that somehow. If you sell the truth, you have to embrace a lie. The greatest thing that you can have as a human being, would it not be love? To be able to love and be loved by another human being, apart from our relationship with God, is that not the greatest experience a human being can have? Would you agree with me on that? Now, I'm not trying to drum up bad memories here, but how many of you have traded in true biblical love for a fake imitation thereof? <coughs> how many people in this world try to redefine love as whatever satisfies them? <coughs> How many of you have ever been taken advantage of by another human being claiming to care and love you? Every one of us in this room. How can I tell what is true love and what is fake love? 
I'll tell you there's only one way. You got to put it to the Bible test. Because God is love. God is love. If you want to know where love comes from and why it is such a wonderful thing, it is a gift that God gives. And we're using this as an example. If you buy in to a biblical definition of love and what it is, there's a lot of restrictions. You know what? I can't love God and love the world at the same time. The Bible says, I can't love God whom I have not seen and hate my brother whom I have seen. I'll tell you what, I'm glad. I'm excited. In just a few weeks, my wife and I are going to celebrate 30 years of marriage. You say, wow, that's a long time. It sure doesn't seem like a long time. Until I start looking at kids and grandkids, and that gives you a little different perspective. But do you know that that has been a very confining relationship? And I'm glad. I like doing things the Bible way instead of the world's way. You know, how's that Hollywood love doing for you? How's that work out? I mean, how many husbands did Elizabeth Taylor have? If anybody's old enough to even remember who she was. I mean, it seemed like there was a new one every week there for a while. Absolute insanity. How about Mick Jagger? Love to refer to him, the ugliest man in rock and roll. And it was after 40-some years that his wife put up with him and she finally said, I'm tired of you and divorcing you. And I'm saying, good for you. That guy didn't obey one rule of marriage, whatever, for one day of any kind. It's not a marriage. Be honest about it. Get rid of it. How, how, how much happiness and joy is there? How much peace and contentment? You know, they talk about midlife crisis. That's what happens when you get halfway or three-quarters of the way through life and you're not satisfied with how your life turned out. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm there if I wanted to be. I'm old enough. I can't redo my life at this point, nor would I even want to. Because what God has done has been so incredible. I couldn't even imagine it. See, when you buy the truth and you hold on to it, you don't surrender the truth to the world. It's not God who benefits, it's you. Amen. How many of you have bought the truth? of salvation that's printed in this book called the Bible. That salvation only comes through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That He died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. 
and that He rose again the third day to prove that He has the power over death, over sin, and over life. And if I'll surrender my life to Him, He'll save me. You know, I've met people that have said, Yeah, I tried that salvation thing once. It didn't work for me. My response is always the same. You, you can't try salvation. Whatever you tried isn't what the Bible talks about. Because to have Jesus Christ as your Savior is to be adopted into His family. And God has never, ever taken someone who is on the road to life and put them on the road to death. God has never done that and never will. But I know people that trade in the truth of the Bible. I say, well, you know, if it's, if it's just not... <clears throat> if I can't do something, I don't want it. If I can't pay for it, I don't want it. Okay. The next time the Taliban or ISIS or one of those people, why don't you just move down to ground zero and see how that works for you? I can't afford the protection that this country gives me, but I am sure glad that they give it to me. And I'm going to enjoy the freedoms that I have as an American until there is no America or God takes me home. And that's one of the freedoms is to speak freely without having someone edit my sermons and tell me what to say and how to think. See, freedom, that's a wonderful truth. And I don't want to sell it for a fake freedom. How about you? Buy the truth and sell it not. That's why I am so excited about this little book called the Bible. Because this is the truth. I'm not going to sell my Bible down the road to the scholars that can tell me what's in there and what isn't in there. I believe that God kept His Word as He said so, and He preserved this Word for all generations. And all we have to do is believe it. Not criticize it. Not tear it apart. You know, that's what church is about. I can tell you so many stories of people who have made shipwreck out of their lives and out of their families because they've traded in the truth of a local church for an imitation. You see, you can pretend you're good some of the time, but you can't stay that way I've often had people say, well, Pastor, how do I know that, that, that I'm not just deceiving myself? I said, it's very simple. You stay in church. You stay under the preaching of the Word of God. And eventually you're going to be brought face to face with yourself and the Word of God. And when there's a difference, then you'll be able to make that choice and trust in the Word of God instead of yourself. There are some people that have struggled with that for 
uh, I remember one person for nearly a year, just back and forth, either I'm saved, I'm not saved, I don't know, I'm just having problems. And finally, after nearly a year, I said, I got it settled. Well, how'd you do that? Well, it's just believing what the Bible says instead of what I think the Bible says. Well, it's just that simple. By the truth. And when you have the truth, what are you going to sell it for? Why would you exchange that which is eternal for something that cannot be of God? It was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How about personal holiness? You know, you really want to be weird today? Live for God. Then you'll have the people with all of the piercings and colorings and... Oh, that's weird. You know you've made it when they call you weird. Amen? Uh, You know that... When, when the world looks at you as being crazy, ah, ah, I wouldn't want that. I remember talking to a guy years ago. He said, anytime I think about kids, he says, I go watch a couple episodes of the Waltons, and then I'm sure I never want to have kids. And I'm sitting there going, okay, that makes no sense at all. Old, lonely working on his third wife all by himself. I'll tell you what. What you got doesn't hold a candle to what the Bible offers. You can try it. You can buy into anything you want. But here Solomon told his son, he said, buy the truth. And sell it not. There's always going to be that temptation to sell the truth. I've known people that have turned their Bible in for a Bible full of errors and full of problems so they could be accepted by the world of scholarship. It's not going to last you. But I'll tell you what, this book will last. I've seen people trade in their church for a place where they're told how good they are. And that works until you have a real problem. You know, Joe Olstein isn't going to come and fix your problems for you. But when everything's going great, it sure sounds nice, doesn't it? You see, it says also wisdom, instruction, in understanding. And we're not going to take time to preach a whole sermon on all three of these the other things, but here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is simply the application of the truth. What's instruction? It is the imparting of the truth. Oh. And what is understanding? It's comprehension of the truth. 
It's just being able to cognitively prove. I've tried this with people in the past. They come up and they're part of some religion of some kind. And and I'll simply say, okay, I want you to tell me what your religion has done for the world. Well, what do you mean? Okay, you... You say you're of religion and name the religion there. Just fill in the blank. Whether it's the Catholic religion, Orthodox religion, communism, Islam. uh, You pick the religion. Humanism. Paganism. Pick it. How many good societies has the heathen built? I mean, about their claim to fame is Woodstock. And by the way, don't read any books or... It's, it's so perverse, you don't even need to understand. The advertisement is beyond when they talk about Woodstock. It's, it's terrible things that went on up there. That's what the heathen produced. They couldn't even make it last a week. And yet they want to build a whole society based on that? This book called the Bible. I love to tell the story. It happened well over a hundred years ago. There was a meeting in Washington, and they had many religious people there, and a lot of political figures, and and uh, one of the other Protestant type preachers walked up to a well-known Baptist preacher, and he says, "What have you Baptists ever done for society?" And he looked at him and he said simply this, freedom of conscience, and turned around and walked away. The greatest freedom that you have, the ability to determine your own life, that's the freedom of America, is it not? That did not come from any religion. That came from this book called the Bible. You study the history. You see, we as Baptists, we've held that doctrine since the days of Jesus Christ. That each believer is directly responsible to God for what they do with their own life. That's not in the Catholic Church. It's not in the Orthodox religion. That's not in Protestantism. All of those religions demand a surrender of your will and your control of your life to the church. Islam is no different. By the way, communism is no different. You say, communism isn't a religion. Oh, yes, it is. It's the only way you can accept the points of communism is you have to deny facts. Isn't that what they accuse us of, Bible believers? Oh, you just don't believe the facts. I'll tell you what, I believe that God is the creator of this world. Because this book told me so. I believe this book is God's word. And I'm not surrendering it to the scholars to chop it up. I'm not selling the truth for a mere imitation, a lie. When I can have God's very words on any subject that 
appears and, and will come up in my life. I'll tell you what. I've had 30 years. I haven't been the perfect husband, I'll tell you that. But we followed what the Bible says. And I wouldn't trade 30 years of wedded bliss with my wife for all the money the world has to offer. Tell you what, I'm glad I bought into that truth. And I'm holding on to it and I'm not selling it for nothing. You know what? Because this, buy the truth and sell it not. The same applies to wisdom, to instruction, to understanding. By the way, you can find wisdom in this book right here. Uh, You can find instruction. All the instruction that you will need in life is already right here. And I'll tell you what. I open the pages of this book and I understand right where people are coming from. I know what their purpose is, what their motives are. Bill Clinton finally admitted it. He said, I did what I did because I could get away with it. Well, anybody that reads their Bible knew that that's what he was doing when he was doing this stuff. That's no revelation. The Bible tells us that men do wicked things because they think they can get away with it. It's right here. I have the truth. Why would you settle on a hope-so, maybe-so kind of sort of salvation when Jesus said, It is finished on the cross. And whosoever believeth in me, I'll give unto them what? Eternal life. Why, why, why wouldn't you want what the Bible has? Why wouldn't you surrender to what the Bible offers? You see, you buy the truth when you find it, and then you live it. That's how you buy the truth. You sell the truth when you choose to live a way contrary to this book called the Bible. Buy the truth. Sell it not. All God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I pray that we would simply take this challenge as Solomon gave it to his son. Lord, we understand the history didn't work out too well for Rehoboam because he didn't buy the truth. He sold it. Now, Lord, there there are people sitting in this auditorium, there must be, that have not yet trusted you as their Lord and Savior. The issue of their eternity is unsettled. And though, Lord, this has not been primarily a salvation message, my prayer would be that they would understand and see that salvation is only in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for others that are struggling with selling the truth, with giving up 
what the Bible says so that they may obtain something else. That they would understand how foolish and how dangerous it is to sell the truth. To sell wisdom and understanding and instruction. To let go of what is true and embrace what is not. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to walk up and down these aisles this morning. To reach out and gently touch the hearts of those that are struggling with these things. Lord, they wouldn't be willing to sell the truth for an imitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Andrew comes to lead the song. If you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you'd like someone to open the Bible and show you how you may know your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home,